And meltdown in public is not about letting kids get away with things. I asked on our page, how do you handle public meltdowns? And someone said, well, I set expectations before we leave. And so they never used to happen. And I could tell this was a grandparent, just the way that they were talking about like, well, when my kids were growing up, they're all adults now. And so I was like, okay, yes, it's great to set expectations. However, our expectations might not meet what our kids are able to do. So reminding our kids of expectations is not connecting with them. Reminding our kids of our expectations is just placing more demands on our kids, which is going to make it even harder for them to self-regulate, make it even harder for them to feel safe, make it even harder for them to calm down and to feel safe enough to share. Is your child's challenging behavior leaving you feeling exhausted, defeated, and hopeless? You are not alone. And I want you to know you are not a failure and your child is not broken. Welcome to Calm the Chaos Parenting, the podcast for parents raising strong-willed, highly sensitive, or neurodivergent children. I'm Dana Abraham, parenting expert, and I have helped hundreds of thousands of families just like yours. Each week, I'll share simple science-backed solutions to help you feel more grounded, in tune, and deeply connected to your child, no matter what challenge you face. Start your journey from surviving to thriving as a family at calmthechaospodcast.com. Hey, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Calm the Chaos Parenting Podcast. I'm super excited to be here today because we are going to be talking about something that's not really fun to talk about, but it is something that people struggle with and ask us about all the time. And that is, how do you handle public meltdowns? Because we talk a lot about tantrums and meltdowns and outbursts and the differences. And we talk, I mean, I feel like that's one of the most common questions we get is how to handle different types of meltdowns. And when we share different tips and strategies, it's inevitable that someone says, yeah, but how do you do that when you're out in public? Because it feels like all bets are off once we are in the Starbucks parking lot or we are in the grocery store, we're at Target, we're um, at a public performance of the Nutcracker, you name it. Um, it can happen and it just feels like all eyes are on us. We've had our fair share of public meltdowns. Well, that's that's what I was thinking. I got distracted because you said Target instead of Target. So it really threw It definitely me said Target. Nope. Okay. We'll, we'll see in the replay. But uh, what I was thinking was that... When we when we were preparing, you know, this month's huddle topic, which is public meltdowns, and then we're preparing for this podcast, you know, there there are so many times where we just had, you know, like monumental public meltdowns, like really uh, bad ones that ended up in the ER. Like the one, the yeah. worst one was in the Starbucks parking lot. I mistakenly thought that I could squeeze in a trip. My son. Had, our oldest had already had multiple meltdowns throughout the morning and they were long and he, I mistakenly believed that everything was cool now. And I, I feel like that happens a lot as parents. We're like, oh, we're totally calm, which really internally, everyone's still dysregulated and exhausted from the meltdowns before. And so just because externally it looked like things were cool, things were definitely not cool. And so I tried to squeeze in a grocery store trip 
went to the grocery store, the lights, the sounds, the anticipation of a guest coming over was just far too much for my son. We got in the car. He starts kicking the seat as I'm driving. I then pull over because I want it to be safe. I didn't do the like, if you don't quit, I'm pulling this car over like when I was growing up. Did your parents <laughs> say that? I feel like your parents would never say that. Uh, we we didn't have that. Yeah, so I did. I definitely had the like, if you don't stop right now, I'm pulling this car over or I'm turning around and we're heading back home. And I'm like, we are eight hours from home. There's no way we're turning around and going back home. So I'm not talking about that kind of like, I'm going to pull the car over. We would pull the car over just for safety reasons, because I can't drive while someone's kicking the back seat. And so I pulled over into the Starbucks parking lot and it proceeded to get worse Like it got far worse than I ever could have imagined. It ended up with my son on the roof of the car, kicking the glass and no one stopping. Like everyone driving through the the Starbucks parking lot, just kind of watching as this unfolded. Who knows what they were thinking or, but they definitely weren't stopping and helping. They definitely weren't saying anything. So I guess I have that to be thankful for. We've had our, our fair share of handling meltdowns, outbursts in public territory. And we've seen them inside of our Facebook community and inside of our memberships um, as well. And so, you know, we've seen them in all different types of places at the in-laws house, at school, when you're in parking lots. And I think the biggest challenge that people have is when you're in parking lots, like we like hang out there on the weekends. Like We're just in the parking lot right now. I just feel like parking lots happen a lot because you're on your way into the store yeah, or you're coming no, no. out of the store. It, it, it was just the way that it came out of your mouth. It's like, you know, when you're in the parking lot and then it happens. Parking lots is a common location for public meltdowns. Um, if you have had a parking lot meltdown yourself or as uh, with your kids, you know, just message me and let me know that I am not <laughs> making these things up. All right. So... Um, Some of the most common things that we see people talking about is, yes, the behaviors that are happening and their kids struggling, but we also see a lot of these fears and worries about what is everyone thinking or everyone is watching. You've got these glaring eyes. You, um, All this fear and worry for your child's safety starts to set in. And, you know, like, is my child going to run away? Are they going to escalate to a point of no return? Is someone else going to get hurt? Um, you know, where are we going to go to calm down if things happen and um, and they do get really bad? What do I do if I'm on aisle three of Target? You know, sure. You know, and, and other people's safety, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, or maybe like the authorities are going to get involved because mm-hmm. you're in a public space. Yeah. So obviously we can't cover absolutely everything to do because every child is unique and special. And I just, I think I want to preface this, this podcast episode in particular, all, everything we ever share is your child is unique. Your family is unique. And, but for this in particular, when we're talking about meltdowns, we're going to share some things that have worked, some things to be looking for, and we're going to share our framework that we approach all situations with. But we want you to know that if you take this and it doesn't work with your kids, it does not mean that you are failing or your child is broken. It just means that there's some tweaks. It means that there might be some more digging to what specifically works for your child. It might mean that there might need to be some more thought swaps. And it might mean that Going out in public right now is not the best option until 
everyone feels safe and regulated to be able to add in grocery stores and Starbucks and right. all these or other things. Like the conditions have to be right. I mean, there there is a formula yeah. to like your child's success yeah. in a public setting. Uh, and I want to add to that. I mean, this goes for anything, right? Mm -hmm. Usually the difference between something that is unsuccessful and something that is successful is usually like iterations, mm -hmm. like how many times you've run through the plan, how many times you've had a chance to practice, right? And unfortunately, in a situation where we have like public meltdowns, we don't necessarily like love that there are more. <laughs> You know, we got to do it more to get better at it. Mm -hmm. But like more than likely, that is yeah. the truth of the situation. And, and with everything, you know, we're going to be talking about a plan that you can use in the heat of the moment when things are really rough with, for your child or for you, whatever is going on. But the best plan is going to be one that you preempt as much as possible. And we can talk about some ways to preempt um, going in public, we can talk about some ways to support your child in public or support yourself in public. And, you know, what I want you to know is that public meltdowns are not a sign that you are failing as a parent and they are not a sign that something is wrong with your kid. It's a sign that your child's felt safety isn't there and that your child is dysregulated. There is something going on that your child needs, and we're going to dig into that a little bit more. But I want you to know just straight up, you know, that this is this is way more common than you think. And we know so much more about the way that, you know, children develop about brains, about neurodiversity than we did when many of us were growing up. And it was like, you know, if you act that way, you know, I'm we're leaving this store immediately. And it's like, Okay, that's probably the thing your child needs most is to leave the store because the store is probably really overstimulating. And, you know, but what they don't need is judgment, shame, fear based tactics when they're already struggling to hold it together. They're struggling to um, manage their emotions. They're struggling, you know, to regulate their um, that their sensory integration, all of that stuff could be going on right now. And so adding more to that can be really difficult. Totally. Okay, so in Calm the Chaos, we teach a four-part framework. We do, and we talk about it a ton in our book, Calm the Chaos. Um, so I'll walk you through the entire framework. And if you are new here, head on over to calmthechaospodcast.com and listen to the first few episodes because we walk you through in depth through that four-part framework. But just at a high level, what are the pieces of the framework? Uh, so the four parts are you, connect, understand, and empower. Yes. And so the you piece is really about our own mindset shifts, because if we enter a situation with a ton of fear, a ton of worry, a ton of blame or shame, then it can be really hard for us to show up and just radically accept our children for who they are and what they're going through and, and not take the behavior personally. So that's what I want to encourage all of you to do when you're thinking about a public meltdown, when you're there in the situation, your child may be saying all kinds of things. You're the worst parent in the world. I hate you. Why'd you make me do this? And yes, they're saying it to you, but I want you to be able to take those and realize this is a sign of distress. This is not a reflection on me. This is not a reflection on my child and how quote unquote good or bad they are. This is a sign that my child is in distress and they need support. 
in this you piece, right? Don't take it personally. It's not about you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think you could even just like upgrade it to all situations in life, (laughs) you know, and that isn't to say like you aren't responsible for your own feelings and and emotions. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. there are times where you are responsible for a situation, but not taking it personally that it's not about you can help you stay grounded uh, and find a strategic next move instead of like an emotionally driven next move. Yeah. And there's a lot of emotions in ourselves uh, as the parent. When our children are really struggling, we can feel embarrassed. We can be frustrated. We can be overwhelmed ourselves. We can be having our own like sensory overwhelm from the noise and from the lights and from all the things going on. And so the more that we can, you know, remove this idea that there is something to judge here. It is either bad or good, um, or we are doing this right or wrong. The more we can remove that, then the easier it's going to be for us to show up for ourselves and for our kids in the way they need us most. I love that. That is like a very like stoicism concept, right? There is no good or bad. It's just behavior, right? Just like what what's a hot shower to you may not be a hot shower to me, right? Mm-hmm. So we can't necessarily say, oh, this is hot or this is cold. Mm-hmm. It's a very, like there's a really big spectrum of yeah. uh, in between, right? So it's just mm-hmm. temperature or it's just behavior. Yeah. And we talk a lot about having anchors or thought swaps. And in our huddle content, we have a whole sheet of different swaps that people can use. But one that I really like is the one that I just said is just, this is not about me, right? Like just removing that emotion from it and reminding myself, this isn't about me. And when our son would have them, what would you remind yourself when he was having like his big ones? I don't know that I have like a direct answer here because uh, when when our oldest was struggling the most publicly, you were his go-to person. Yeah, so I was my also. concerns were about entertaining the kids, the uh, the other the other kids, mm-hmm. not just kids in general. Like I put on a clown <laughs> suit and started juggling. No, but making sure the others were safe. Yeah, and so making sure. sure our other kids were safe. Uh, you know, making a plan to uh to be there when mm-hmm. we needed to right yeah it was a plan for like how i would show up once he re-entered the family okay that's a good point that's a good point and i think if that if you're a partner and you're listening to this we know a lot of partners listen to this with their spouses and so if you're a partner listening to this and you're not the go-to person i think having a reminder for that you piece just being like um it's not my place right now, or she's got this, or he's got this, whatever that the case might be. But, um, you know, that we've got a plan, just reminding yourself, like, I know what to do here. We know how to get through this. We're going to get through this. And then, or, you know, I'm needed most over here, right? I'm not needed over there. Like, I think that something like that can be really helpful because especially when you're like in fixer mode and you want to protect and you want to solve and you want to fix, Sometimes your presence would be incredibly triggering for our son and even now. And so, you know, walking away and letting me take over is sometimes the best bet. Right. And, you know, for for our guy in particular, he is very affected by like uh, authority and like men who have like a large stature. Right. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm a six foot dude. And if I am, you know, trying to just like be neutral, he can perceive that. 
as being as like a very uh, as a threat, mm-hmm. right? Like when he would have school meltdowns, like the school security guard was there in his like security guard outfit and was like he was on the ready. He wasn't mm-hmm. being aggressive in any standpoint. But when you're already triggered, the perception is, oh my gosh, this guy's about yeah. to pounce. Yeah. You know, so me walking away and taking away some of the stress and pressure, I, I think was the mm-hmm. the best thing I could do, right? And then I think what I would do looking back on it is just like release the expectation that this was going to end soon mm-hmm. or frequently, right? And we would make further plans like down the road where mm-hmm. we sometimes we would take multiple cars, right? Yeah. So we would have to separate at some point. And that's part of that preempting, right? Sure. That preempting is we... We even still today, if we have to go somewhere, we will take two cars some if the whole family is going. But the other preempt that we do is that my oldest doesn't go to things that the whole family goes to by choice, not because we're leaving him out, but we give him ample time. And we allow for there to be a way for him to like change his mind at the last minute um, because we know that that might be a possibility. But we give him the option and the control over, hey, we're going to the store. We're getting some things. Do you have any requests or do you want to go? And that gives him so much ownership over, oh, wait, I do want these things from the store, but I don't want to go to the store because there's so many transitions. There's so many lights. There's so many things. Um, and we've given him that ability to advocate for his own needs. We just had Nutcracker this last week and we all went to go see our, do- you know, my daughter, our daughter in the Nutcracker and her brother went, but the other brother didn't go. And, but he was like, how'd it go? When's the performance? When do you leave? How's it going? And he was really, you know, invested in how it was going for her, but he knew going was going to be such a hard thing for him. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to go too far into it, but for him, he's kind of like, it's overwhelming to be with all the people, Mm -hmm. right? That is a very big stressor for him, like large crowds, unless he is like super into the thing that he's in. Like if it's a movie or if it's Pokemon Go, or if like he really, his girlfriend wants him to go to a restaurant for, you know, their anniversary, he, he will, he will do that. Even like a Comic-Con or whatever, like he's able to go and there's a lot of people, but he knows at this point, I'm there and about like an hour into it, he's like, nope, too much. I'm out. Right. Yeah. And then he'll go or he'll find a quiet spot and and, and recalibrate. Yeah. So that is a lot of the you piece, mm-hmm. I think, is, you know, just remembering to stay calm. You've got this right. This is just a moment. This doesn't define us. Mm-hmm. Super helpful. Dana here. And guess what? My book, Calm the Chaos, has officially launched. So if you enjoy the podcast and find the stuff we're sharing valuable, I'm 100 percent sure you're going to love the book. You can get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com. And if you use this link, you'll also get some special bonuses. So once again, the link is calmthechaosbook.com. Thanks. I hope you're enjoying the show. Now, let's move it into like the connection piece of the framework. Yeah, so the connection piece, I mean, I think a lot of times people think that connection is about playing with our kids or it's about validating their emotions and just saying, I see, I notice, I wonder, I feel those things, which are all great and scripts are wonderful. But I honestly think that when you're dealing with a a meltdown of any sorts, but especially public meltdowns, the more you can remove the more you're going to be able to connect. And so what I mean by that is removing your words, removing your touch, removing any sensory input that might be adding to the frustration, any decision making that might be adding to the frustration, any, um, you know, trying to solve it or fix it or ultimatums. 
I think we jump into, well, if you, you know, we hear it all the time. We're in stores and we hear, you know, we were at Costco and this kid was really struggling. You could tell they were really hungry. And the mom said, you know, if you don't, if you don't behave, then we're not going to get pizza afterwards. And it was like, well, this kid obviously was like really struggling right now. And this is no judgment. This mom really is doing the best she knows how to do. But there's not a lot of information out there for parents who are just parenting kids and who have not heard about neurodiversity and who have not heard about meltdowns or tantrums. and But like the general public believes that you hold things over kids' heads to say like, well, if you don't behave, you're not going to get this toy. If you don't stop crying, we're going to leave. And it's like, no, 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 this is not the time for that. The time for it is to say, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be overwhelmed. I'm here for you. Like just minimum, minimum, minimum. Sure. And what I was thinking of is as soon as you start talking about the the couple in uh, in Costco is how many parents I see with their their kids, like mostly toddlers, like maybe like six, like at the highest, right? They're like hanging out in the cart and they're totally stuffing their face with like the muffins, the cookies or like some kind of fruit while they're shopping. Because Costco, yes. there's no in and out, right? Yeah. It's an hour long journey. It's like going to Ikea, yeah. right? <laughs> like you got to follow the path. And so, yeah. you know, it's just having a strategy in place instead of like having the disconnection of like, if you don't have good behavior, yeah. which is again, like just a giant question mark. Yeah. But it, I mean, in, and if you're listening to this and that's what you've been doing up till now, it's because you probably didn't know the different way. I mean, I know so many parents who parent that way. And so, it and and for good reason, right? It's the way you were parented. It's what much of the advice out there is all about. Much of the advice is about not letting our kids walk all over us or letting them get away with things. And a meltdown in public is not about letting kids get away with things. I um, asked on our page, how do you handle public meltdowns? And someone said, well, I set expectations before we leave. And so they never used to happen. And I could tell this was a grandparent, just the way that they were talking about like, well, when my kids were growing up, they're all adults now. And so I was like, okay, yes, it's great to set expectations. However, our expectations might not meet what our kids are able to do. So reminding our kids of expectations is not connecting with them. Reminding our kids of our expectations is just placing more demands on our kids, which is going to make it even harder for them to self-regulate, make it even harder for them to feel safe, make it even harder for them to calm down and to feel safe enough to share it, like how they're feeling and what's going on. We want our kids to share that they're struggling. We want them to to get dysregulated and feel comfortable showing that they're dysregulated so that we know, hey, you know what? This was hard for you. Let's step outside for a minute. That's connection. Or, hey, it's really loud in here. Let's put some headphones on. Or, hey, I noticed that we've hit our done point. Let's go check out, right? Let's find those places where our kids can feel safe to show us how they're feeling instead of covering it up. I think probably the underscore here is that like if your child is, you know, in flight, fight or freeze, you know, if they're triggered, right? There's maybe not going to be a ton of connection. It's just like a very subtle, right? So you might have to rely on sort of like a bank of connection moments prior oh, yeah. to this meltdown. Uh, so in the moment, there may not be a ton of connection here. Mm -hmm. um, and then for those of you who have grandmothers, you know, or parents that are like, well, this is how I handled it. 
The one thing I know is like there's a lot of like glossing over all the little meltdowns and like tantrums that you had as a child. Like that never my parents are like, he was perfect. You know, they say that. But then on the other hand, they say that you just used to say mad, mad, mad. And so like, you know, grain of salt. Yeah. I, I think we should get you a shirt that just says mad, mad, mad. Yeah, that sounds great. Right. Yeah, okay. That could All be right. my podcast shirt. That could be mad, your mad, podcast mad. shirt. Okay, so let's move to the understanding piece. In the understanding piece, I think the most critical part to handle, which ties greatly into the you piece, is shifting your perspective from like judgment to understanding what's going on. And uh, in reference to the, you know, like what we were just talking about with the the parent and the kid in the Costco, and you know they've been there for forty five minutes or an hour, they're overstimulated. We don't know what's going on in mom's mind. We don't know what kind of stressors are happening at home or what they're prepping for that they're out getting all this like the food. anticipation. The anticipation. They, they we don't know if there was three meltdowns before they went to the store that day. Right. So understanding that she's doing her best helps us understand the world and connect with the world. Yeah. Right. Even though like we have, you know, thousands of parents and we see and we have like the best practices in our head. So, you know, we just sort of looked at each other and smiled and say, oh, man, she's having a hard day. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. We, we we giggled about like how she was threatening to take away the food when that's the one thing. I that like, oh, the just kid, give him food. <laughs> yeah. Just give him food right now. Like bust open the crackers. Like here, have one. You know, so. Just remembering that there is, uh, there's always something that we can't see mm-hmm. underneath the I surface. I think that's really important. And if your child is having, and you know, and I know there's going to be people listening to this that are going to say, well, a tantrum is different than a meltdown, and a meltdown is different than an outburst. And I agree with all of those things. And we still need to approach all of those different ways of showing unhappiness, showing dysregulation, showing um, overstimulation, we need to still approach those with understanding that all behavior is communicating something, Um, whether that's an unmet need, whether that is a sensory sensitivity, whether that is emotional overwhelm, whether that is, you know, too many demands being placed on on someone or um, I know for you and for Flora, you don't get to meltdown level, you get to shutdown level when we are in public and you were like, I cannot do this anymore. Like it is time for us to leave. And so, um, you know, when we went to the fair, Flora and I went and you were like, I'm out like this. There is nothing fun about this. And so for Flora, we prepped a bunch of stuff. We talked about when we were going to notice. And that goes more in the empowerment piece. But we're at a place now where I can recognize that if she, because when she's starting to get to shut down, she starts snapping at me. Well, I didn't want that. Well, that's not what I want to do. Well, I want to go over here. And it sounds what most people would call like snotty behavior or rude or disrespectful, but that's not how she's meaning it in any way. It's just that she has no filters left anymore because she's used up every bit of capacity she has to handle the crowd, to handle the choices and decisions, to handle the noise. Right. And, and it's all by choice. She wants to be there, but we have to realize that a lot of times we're putting our kids in situations where it's not by choice and we're asking them to handle something something that might be really, really difficult for them. And they don't have the skills like our daughter has right now to be able to say, these are my needs. They don't have the language for it. They don't have the understanding or awareness of it yet to be able to say, 
well, I like my son used to really struggle um, and it took a really long time to figure this out. But in Target, not because he was spoiled and he wanted all the Lego sets, but because he couldn't make a decision between three different sets of Lego because they all had different pros and cons until I could get, once I started being able to say, Hmm, I see you're struggling to pick a Lego. Can you tell me which ones it's between? When I could say that, he could then now verbalize to me and say, well, this one is a, is a rocket or like a ship. And I, you know how much I love ships, but it's not symmetrical. And this one is symmetrical, but it's a vehicle, not a ship. And once we realized that he wanted his Lego to be symmetrical, it made it so much easier to start helping him find Lego pieces and Lego boxes that he wanted to buy at the store. And and there's lots of other things we can do. And I don't want to throw a bunch of strategies at you. What I want you to hear is the understanding of what's underneath the behavior you might be seeing that you might be calling a tantrum, an outburst, a rude behavior, um, a disrespectful behavior, or a true meltdown or shutdown where it's just too loud. It's too overwhelming. Our senses are just overcrowded inside our body and we, our nervous system just shuts down and we have to recognize those things and be able to support our kids. Yeah. So in this understand piece, it is essential to remain open and curious. Mm -hmm. And I think I'll, I'll underscore this or just like, you know, bolster it with believe what your child is telling you, right? Yes. Like in in this example, right? I can remember this. We were at Toys R Us, you know, like RIP Toys R Us. Um, sad face. Yeah, sad face. <laughs> uh, we were we were kind of shopping around and all the kids were there and, and our oldest was sort of just stuck and he was just staring at the three and he was starting to lose it a little bit. And I remember that like unlock of like, I need it to be symmetrical and you're like it was like the heavens opened up yeah and then it was just like oh here well, is so much understanding under the surface yes and <laughs> it it made sense of so many other meltdowns and frustrations because you can imagine right it's how you do one thing is how you do everything so that came down to things he built that came down to playing minecraft that came down to playing Roblox clothes or like he wore, clothes he wore, all kinds of food he ate, like the way that he built things out of blocks, like everything he was approaching from needs to be symmetrical, but didn't have the language or the awareness that that's what he wanted. Yeah, and in all the interactions with other humans who who would add things to what he was doing that weren't symmetrical and would result in meltdowns. You know, and just left us like scratching our heads, like what just happened? Where did that come from? Where did that it, come from? Quote unquote came out of nowhere. Yeah. Right. And so the more these do happen, like Jason said earlier, none of us want meltdowns to happen in public multiple times. But the more they do happen, we can start to look for patterns. We can start to understand more. And the more that we can understand, the more we can preempt and the more that we can set yourself and our kids up for success. Yeah. And if you have the mindset that sometimes when we're struggling, it is an opportunity to learn and grow together, that can be a good shift mm -hmm. too, right? So it's not just overtly bad yeah. that there was a meltdown or an outburst or whatever. Right. 
And so that brings us to the empower piece. Yeah. And the empower piece is involving your child and creating a plan for what to do when. And, you know, I'm going to call it a calm down plan, but really it is a like safety plan, a regulation plan. It is a way to get everyone to safety, especially if you're in public. And so, but it's recognizing those signs ahead of time. We don't want to hit the point of no return where we're already screaming. We're already throwing things. We're already kicking. We're already doing that because once we hit that point, it's so hard for you, the parent, and for the child to access whatever plan you've created. So before you go anywhere, it's like, okay, what are we going to do if it gets too loud? Where are we going to go if we feel overwhelmed? What are we going to do if we can't make a decision? Where are we going to go if, you know, if we have to leave the store? I know that that could be really frustrating, but what if we are able to go to the store, we're able to get safe, we're able to get calm, we're able to eat something, and then we can go back in. And that plan may even be, I don't want to go to the store anymore. And I think this is where we get to be really out of the box thinkers and help our kids and ourselves come up with really out of the box solutions. When we like we all had our special place in Target where we would go if we were going to go to Target and we knew things were going to get rough. When my son was a runner, I had a place I'm like, if you run away, run to here. He had a run to spot because that way. I knew where to find him if he had run from me. Um, there are lots of things that you can do ahead of time, work together to think out of the box. And, you know, I see a lot of parents who struggle with meltdowns anytime they're in public or have to do things like go to the grocery store. And I'm thinking, is there an out of the box way that you could like have your neighbor do your grocery shopping for you if you don't live in a place where you can do, um, you know, Instacart or you can do DoorDash or you can do things like that. But there are so many services now that I do think we don't have to go. I think, you know, we don't have to go to the store if we don't want to. I think the pandemic really proved that to us. And more stores are online than ever before. Or um, you can do pickups and you don't have to be in public as much as, you know, as you once did. One of my favorite empowerment plans from our community, uh, we had a student who would practice going to the store with their their kiddo. I think they were about like six at the time. Uh, and the intention was just to go and look at things and then leave. So it wasn't to shop, it wasn't to spend the hour there, it wasn't to like learn how to budget. It was literally to spend 10, 15 minutes in the store and then leave. Just to get used to being there and figuring out like what yeah. what works, what doesn't, yeah. what's overwhelming, what's not overwhelming. So it was it's a very like low commitment for mm -hmm. the child. And then they they can sort of like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know, like the exposure of it, right? Just mm -hmm. helps like, okay, I can understand the environment. Yeah. And then they can they can debrief afterwards yeah. and say, hey, what worked about it, what didn't? Were the lights too bright? Okay, so maybe it's like sunglasses when we go in. Maybe we'll put the headphones on. Whatever the, the tools and strategies are yeah. once you make the plan. But I really love that we're going to the store just to practice. Yeah. And I'm just going to really reiterate that the plan might be that you're not going to go. And I think that so many parents are so set on, but my kids should be able to go. Or if we don't go, then that means they're never going to learn how. And 
I just, I want to underscore that we cannot push our kids to learn something or do something when they're already dysregulated or already don't feel safe. And so that's not the time to get them to learn how to go to the store. That's not the time to help them be in public without meltdowns. There are, you do that when everyone already feels safe, everyone already feels connected and is able to access the things that are there for them, the supports that are there for them. And saying no, removing this need to go, go, go and do, 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 that might be your biggest empowerment piece and plan possible is to remove the need to go do all the errands right after school, the need to go to all the in-laws' houses and cousins' house and all the parties and all the things. It's okay to not do those things. It's okay that one kid doesn't go to all of the family events. It does not mean that they're not connected with the family It might actually mean they're more connected because they feel seen and heard and understood for who they are, not for who you're expecting them to be. To bring this home, to kind of wrap it up, um, what is one thing if there is a parent listening to this and they are currently struggling with meltdowns in public, they feel embarrassed, they feel like they must be doing something wrong. We hear this all the time. I'm failing as a parent. I can't even go to the grocery store with my kids. Um, what, what would you want them to know if you, they could only hear one thing? I think the biggest piece for me is like, you're not alone, right? This is fairly common occurrence, right? And the pressure you're putting on yourself is not the same pressure that anyone else is putting on you, mm-hmm. right? And if they are putting that pressure on you, it's most likely about them and not about you and your child. Yeah. I think that what I would want you to know is the same thing is that you're not alone, that your child's not broken and that you're not failing. And if you happen to see someone else who is having a hard time at the store, who is having a hard time in public, one of the best things that ever happened to me is someone just walked by me, put their hand on my elbow and said, you're such a good mom. You're doing a good job. And my kid was like melting down at my feet. My other one was running away from me. I'm sobbing and I am just like struggling. And all she said, this stranger said, you're doing a good job. That's all she had to say. And so if you're struggling in that moment, I want you to hear us saying you're doing a good job and you have a good kid. And then if you see someone else going through this, it's okay to tell them you're doing a good job. Do you need any help? Right. Those that way they know you're not judging them. They know that you're there, that you're you're actually just thinking, wow, I wish I knew how to help. So those are our thoughts. I want you to know, you know, you're not alone. As always, we want to remind you that, you know, you are exactly the parent that your child needs. And just by being here, by listening to this, you are trying to better yourself and how you show up and how you support your child and empower your child. And your kid is not broken. They are exactly who they are designed to be. Uh, and they might not have the skills. They might not have the access to be able to advocate for their own needs yet. But by you being here, by you listening every single week, you are helping them be themselves and be able to express their feelings and their needs. So thank you. And if anything we've said today has resonated with you, I encourage you to do a couple of things. This month in the huddle, we actually have public meltdowns for our plan. So we give you 
stay calm swaps. We give you connected scripts. We have a plan for how to create that calm down plan and empower your kids. And we even have a short bite-sized video to watch. And then we have over 40 more plans for your biggest challenges. So if that's something that you're interested in, just we're going to have a link in the notes. And so you can go to calmthechaospodcast.com and we'll have the notes there so you can find out more about the huddle. We're not always open to the public, but right now um, we'll give you a special link so you can get in right through here. And then the other thing is just send us a message. Let us know that you listened to this episode, that it resonated with you and what your next step is going to be after listening to this. And we will talk to you next week on next week's episode. Oh, and before I go, One quick note for all of you who are enjoying the podcast. My new book is officially live and I know you're going to love it. So just a quick reminder, you can go get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com. And if you do, you'll get some cool bonuses as well. Once again, get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com and I'll see you next week.